Hi, my name is Derek, and I'm the founder and CEO of Coslam Medical. We're a Toronto-based startup personalizing care for women suffering from pelvic floor disorders. Femtech, to me, is my reason for being in that I'm an experienced engineer and uh, executive in uh, urological diagnostics, and I watched my grandmother go through these issues. Um, join us on our mission for personal pelvic health. Thank you. Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and before we start today's episode, I want to tell you about an upcoming campaign that I need your help with. Stack the Deck for Femtech is an opportunity to get exposure for your startup. Whether you're fundraising, looking for customers, or ready for media exposure, Femtech Focus is dedicated to getting your women's health company in front of the right people. Starting this week, you're going to start to see a survey link in our newsletter, virtual community, and social media accounts with questions about your business, like where you're headquartered, who's the main contact person, what was your latest valuation, and much more. Takes about 10 minutes to complete. We're looking for minimally 350 femtech companies, ranging from initial corporate incorporation to initial public offering, to fill out this questionnaire. If you work at or founded a femtech company, please have yourself or someone in leadership fill it out by the end of September. This is for your benefit. Help me help you. Let's stack the deck for femtech. Alrighty, so in today's episode, I interviewed Derek Sham, the founder and CEO of Cosm Medical. Derek is an engineer who has launched over eight medical devices in urology, gynecology, gastroenterology, and cardiology. His last urology diagnosis company was PE-backed and exited in 2016. Inspired by complications that his grandmother faced, Derek set out to create a better solution for pelvic floor health, like preventing pelvic organ prolapse and stopping urinary incontinence. Cosm Medical is creating a digital gynecology platform to personalize care for women. They are revolutionizing the pessary industry using ultrasound, AI, and 3D printing technologies. Derek is bringing pelvic floor health into the 21st century using these cutting-edge technologies. You can learn more at cosm.care. That's C-O-S-M dot care. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Derek. Welcome to the show. Hey, Britt. Great to see you. <laughs> it's great to have you on. You're Thanks. taking a little sip of hydrating yourself for the oh, end. Yeah. I love it. Gotta Absolutely. Say Absolutely. <laughs> Where are you calling us from today? Uh, Toronto, Ontario. Yeah. What's it like there today? Uh, it's sunny. It's warm. I think thunderstorms are rolling in, but it is, uh, summers in Toronto are beautiful, you know, yeah, music festivals, you know, like all the things. So, mm, yeah. I've been thinking a lot about moving to Canada or Mexico. So who knows? Maybe I'll yeah. do uh, summertime Canada, wintertime Mexico. I'll be a little, I'll be a, just a goose. I'll be a goose, right? That's You're what they living do. my dream. I was down in Cabo about six months ago. So 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. I'm just yeah. going to follow your get your plan then. That seems so, to be working. I have an itinerary for you, especially if you want to go uh, shark diving. So that, that's one of my things. Uh, oh my yeah. gosh. All right. All right. <laughs> Next level. <laughs> well, Derek, it's so great having you on the show. We've been friends for a little while now and yeah. I'm excited to you know highlight your technology. I think it's incredible. But before we get there, we'd love to learn a little bit more about yourself. So, you know, what's sure. your background? How did you get here? Your man and yeah. women's health, like tell us yeah. about your journey. Yeah. So, um, so where, where do I start? I, I guess, uh, you know, university about 20 years ago, uh, I studied biomedical engineering thinking I want to be a doctor, worked in a couple hospitals, couple of doctors, you know, share, you know, took me out for dinner one day, had a couple of beers with you. They're like, you don't want to be a doctor in Canada. Uh, it's a stressful life. You're not properly rewarded and whatnot, you know, and as an engineer with um, a clinical mindset, uh, you have the ability to really make a difference globally. So maybe you should do that. So, you know, uh, fast forward a little bit. I spent about uh, 15 years in medical devices. Uh, I worked uh, a stint at Bayless Medical doing cardiac devices. Um, uh, I actually spent also a decade at Labry Medical, uh, who developed actually the gold standard urology diagnostic company. So think of it as um, stick a catheter in your urethra. If you're a male, figure out the root cause of prostate issues so that a doctor can properly plan intervention. Uh, and for females, it was really about incontinence. Um, and, uh, you know, during my time there, developed the most utilized urodynamic system in the world, uh, gold standard diagnostic for urinary incontinence. And then, um, you know, the company was sold at the end of 2016. Um, I was lucky enough to be part of the leadership team as a general manager, uh, left uh, took a bit of a sabbatical and actually came up with the idea to start Cosm on a beach in Bali. Um, oh my gosh, y'all. Everyone yeah. go to a beach in Bali and come up with yeah. the next big company idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, part of it was, you know, like I'd spend a decade in the field. I was like, what am I going to do with my next phase of my career? And, you know, during that time I watched, uh, during the last few years of work, I actually watched my grandmother go through pelvic floor disorders. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew some of the best doctors in the world. I was calling doctors in the UK, the US, you know, all over the place trying to get her the care. I thought she deserved. Uh, she ended up failing, you know, multiple pest refittings uh, and developing, you know, a chronic infection down there, multiple surgeries later put into a home. And for me, it was one of those things, you know, that was literally the year before she was diagnosed, she cooked dinner, Christmas dinner for 30 of us. Wow. And I remember her throwing a shoe across at me because I was trying to sneak some food. And literally from a year from that to being, you know, essentially forced into elderly care oh was one God. of those things that kind of drove me to, to doing this. So, yeah. May I ask, did she have some kind of injury in that year or was it just like time? It just happened. Time. Yeah. Time. Yeah. And arguably I am like, uh, you know, like trying to solve the women's health issue that, uh, you know, created me as a human being because, you know, pelvic floor disorders are highly correlated to childbirth and mm -hmm. she had five kids. So that was, uh -huh. you know, so yeah. it's your fault, your fault. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Arguably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that is such an incredible story. I love that Bali Thanks. beach time. I think yeah. that more founders yeah. need to take time off in order to get more creative. Um, I used to think I just needed to grind all the time, but in fact, the more I spent alone time in nature, it was 
much better for my brain to get creative juices flowing. Do you find that as well for you? It sounds oh, yeah. like maybe it's traveling. Yeah, definitely traveling. I, uh, you know, I, been to over 50 countries. I've dove with sharks on every continent. Uh, my major thing also, you know, for, for me, like quiet time is mornings and evenings. Like I, my morning practice is now yoga, meditation, and a bit of journaling, which, you know, if you asked, you know, 30 year old Derek, he would laugh at you if you did that type of thing, you know, but you know, here we are today. So find peace. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. you mentioned some key terms that I'd love for us to kind of break down. Now we have talked yeah. about pelvic floor disorders on the show before, sure. but I'd love for you to just give our listeners another brief overview. What is causing pelvic floor disorders? What are they and what, yeah. how does it manifest? Sure. Um, I think taking a frame of reference, even outside of Femtech, uh, you know, a famous urologist once told me, he's like, look, the question isn't whether or not your pipes are going to break. It's whether or not your house falls down first. And as innovations have occurred in cardiac cancer, you know, all these realms of medicine. So we live longer, uh, you know, as we age, our quality of life hasn't, you know, doesn't change and therefore, you know, um, has issues. Now, with regards to pipes in men, uh, it typically is revolves around prostate issues. Mm. So half of all men will develop prostate issues within their lifetime, whether that's cancer or uh, BPH, which is benign prostatic hyperplasia, which is just a hardening of the prostate. Mm. Now in women, half of all women in their lifetime will develop pelvic floor disorders. And for women, pelvic floor disorders are in essentially the opposite of men. Men's prostates harden and women's things start to sag. Uh, or um, And the uh, specific disorders in pelvic floor disorders, are there's three major categories. Uh, there's urinary and fecal incontinence, uh, which I would argue are so underserved that adult diapers actually last year in North America surpassed baby diaper sales here. So, yeah, we're like the second region of the world. It actually happened in Japan first about five years ago where adult diapers survived baby diapers. But now, you know, here more di- more baby, di- more adult diapers are sold per year now than baby diapers and the vast majority of women. So there's urinary and fecal incontinence. So think of it as a weakening or a lack of support of those mechanisms that uh, cause things to leak out. Yeah. Uh, there is also what I like to call, or one of our patient advocates uh, likes to call the silent epidemic around pelvic organ prolapse. Uh, so pelvic organ prolapse is the gradual descent or herniation or falling out of pelvic organs through the vaginal canal. Starts with a pain, a, a, a little bit of pain and discomfort. You know, first indications could be, you know, when women are doing physical activity, um, uh, they feel a bit of discomfort down there uh, and ends with debilitating immobility if untreated. Uh, essentially, you know, pelvic organs start falling through the vagina. At first, you don't feel it. Then you feel it. Then all of a sudden you can't walk. You can't do the regular things that you do in life without, uh, you know, uh, drastic pain down there. So, so that's essentially pelvic floor disorders. Um, there's urinary and fecal incontinence and prolapse. Uh, it's something that happens to half of all women. And in, uh, North America, um, 20% of all women get pelvic floor surgery in their lifetime. So this is a, massive field. Um, and, you know, uh, part of our drive is to give 
women another option uh, beyond what's currently available, uh, partially because surgery has had over 100,000 lawsuits uh, leading to a Netflix documentary called The Bleeding Edge, 60 Minutes Expose on the use of uh, surgical mesh for prolapse repair. Um, so, you know, we're pretty excited about what we're building and, uh, and leveraging some really cool tech to, uh, you know, transform women's lives as we drive forward. That movie, The Bleeding Edge, rocked my world. It's not yeah. necessarily supposed to be a femtech show, but it because yeah. they follow like six different medical devices, but like four of the six are femtech. So it's like, yep. um, I guess it's proportionate to like healthcare for genders, you know, in terms of like how devastating ours is currently. Um, but if yeah. listeners, you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix. I hope it's still there. It was a, it's an incredible, but also just sad and scary show about uh, medical devices just not be, being good enough or medical procedures being kind of thrown together and, and women suffering the consequences. Um, now, you said pessary. What is a pessary? I think of pacifier when I think pessary. What's a pessary? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so pessaries are actually one of the oldest documented medical devices. They date back up to 4,000 years of use to the what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. There's, uh, I'll, I'll forward you an article afterwards to, so you can take a look at it. Yeah. it it's uh, interesting, the progression. And, and essentially, pessaries are devices temporarily placed inside of the vagina uh, to alleviate symptoms of pelvic floor disorders. So in a way, they kind of work like how a bra works to support breasts, uh, except instead of going around the ribs to support breasts, it goes inside the vagina, rests on the pelvic bone, and supports pelvic organs. And they're indicated for uh, both prolapse and stress urinary incontinence. And there's also one that the FDA has approved for fecal incontinence. So uh, they're essentially supportive devices temporarily worn inside the vagina to support pelvic floor disorders. I've heard of them referred to as a sports bra for the vagina, uh, which I think is probably the best analogy that I could think of. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of that, but it, it makes sense yeah. from what I understand of it. So, yeah. you know, you just said pelvic bone and in the vagina, like for yeah. our listeners, can, can you help us kind of wrap our minds around what we should yeah. be visualizing? Is it some kind of tampon thing? Is there some kind of shelf in our yeah. vagina? Like, yeah, yeah, tell yeah, us yeah. About good question. That. So think of it as somewhere between a hybrid of a tampon and, or a diaphragm. Uh, that's a little more rigid, that's able to support the pelvic organs. And what's interesting about pessaries is that, you know, they really haven't changed in the last 50 years since the advent of medical grade silicone. They right now come in a hundred different shapes and sizes fit by trial and error. So, so a doctor goes like this to measure the vagina with their fingers, which arguably urogynecology is the only surgical subspecialty that's still gold standard diagnostics is finger measurements, but that's a whole other story. But anyways, they measure the pelvic floor with their fingers, and then they go, hmm, I think you're a ring size three, puts one in, patient walks around for 10 minutes. If it's uncomfortable, if it falls out, they try another one over and over again. Now, from published research, about uh, up to 30% of women will fail pessary fittings with multiple devices and multiple visits, half stop using them within a year or two, and over half develop complications with long-term use complications, including uh, tissue abrasion, so kind of like a blister inside the vagina, because as you can imagine, putting something in there to hold stuff up might cause that. Uh, infections, um, uh, vaginal discharge, and uh, a few other issues. Now, uh, even with all those issues, and it's something that a lot of 
listeners haven't heard of, over 10 million women globally wear pessaries today. Wow. So this is something that is actually, you know, quite common, but nobody really wants to talk about it. And, you know, we're on a mission to, you know, essentially modernize the pessary. Yeah. Does a woman have one pessary for the rest of her life or does she get one a year? Does she take it out? Give us kind of the user case of a pessary. It changes over time. So as pelvic floor changes, the pessaries could change. Uh, there is actually some really interesting anecdotal case studies out there where, you know, in year one, women gets fit by a size four pessary. In year two, they move to a three. In year three, they don't need a pessary anymore because huh. their pelvic floor is healed over time. Kind of like how, you know, postpartum women heal. Uh, yeah. You could imagine that for some women, there is the potential that um, with a supportive device, we could, uh, instead of um, watching this disease state get worse over time, uh, that a pessary could, um, you know, improve the likelihood of healing. Uh, and that's really, you know, part of one of our missions is to building a data-driven platform. We actually track how women are doing over time, watch how it changes and, um, you know, um, adjust, you know, our therapy using AI as needed. Um, yeah. And I'm so excited to talk about what you've created. Cause I think yeah. it's, Freaking spectacular. I just have a few more questions about pessaries because these are the questions uh, that I have. So therefore, I presume a lot of other... Yeah, no, throw it out. Throw it out. Can you have sex with it in? Uh, It depends on the pessary. Uh, Most of them aren't indicated for uh, sex with the device. Uh, there's a couple of pessaries. I'm very curious as to how you would have sex with it in if you wanted to, um, such as the, the gale horn or the cube pessary, but a ring pessary, it's physiologically possible to have sex, sex with it in, but you're not supposed to. Uh, so most women that are sexually active, uh, self-manage. So they take it out, uh, or they get their partners to help take it out, uh, while they're having sex, which you can obviously think, uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't really you know, add to the spice unless they're into it. Uh, yeah. You know, so, good communication yeah. skills can make that maybe a part yeah. of the, the um, <laughs> foreplay, but, uh, yeah. and so then the woman could just put it back in herself. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so from, from, from publications, um, about half of women, um, can self-manage a pessary and that's dependent on the type of pessary chosen, uh, how, good there with their own anatomy mm-hmm. and also how um, how dextile their fingers are like how, mm-hmm. how good they are because they do sit above the um the pelvic floor uh so that which is about you know four to five centimeters in so you got to kind of reach in there to, to to get it out so would the positioning be similar to like a diva cup yes okay great yeah. and then what about menstruation can she have a period with it Depends on the type of pessary. Uh, some of them, most of them have drainage holes, but for specific pessaries such as uh, acute pessary, uh, it is not suggested to have it in. So they do have to have it removed uh, mm-hmm. or self-removed during their period. Yeah. And now this, you know, you we've been talking about kind of a, a sports bra, right? For the reproductive yeah. organs to help keep them up there. But you yeah. also mentioned pessaries can help with urinary and fecal incontinence. How is that yeah. possible if it's in the vagina? That's a great question. So, um, so you can think, think of our pelvic floor as a hammock. Um, the the levator ani and the muscles surrounding it operate as one function to close essentially all three of those. Um, and 
um, you know, for urethral support, it's really around uh, supporting or compressing the urethra so that you don't leak. So think of it as like, you know, when you have a garden hose, um, if you put your foot on a garden hose, no water comes out, right? Now, if you put it, if you compress the urethra too much, uh, no urine will come out and you actually risk kidney failure uh, yeah. if you, if you're backlogged in urine, right? So yeah. that's no good. Uh, if you don't support it enough, the devices don't work. Now, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking at urinary incontinence, it is actually five times more prevalent than pelvic organ prolapse. So five times mm-hmm. more women have it than prolapse. Uh, but less than 20% of pessaries sold are for incontinence, partially because they're not as, uh, they're not fully effective or they can be fairly uncomfortable. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're working on improving that. And that goes the same for the rectum. Um, it's really about, you know, compressing uh, tissues and supporting them in a way that uh, mimics more natural function uh, so that, you know, women can, you know, use those body parts more naturally. Well, as per usual, I have learned so much already about pessaries. I do want to tell one quick funny story. My co-founder, Dr. Julie Hakeem, she's a gynecologist, and we occasionally start our team meetings with an icebreaker, and she shares a crazy story of some kind of medical case for her. And she talked about this 80-year-old patient she had who didn't wear her pessary, instead used a sweet potato in her vagina to keep up the pelvic floor. And Julie said, Says that she was so in like proud of her, like, whoa, look at you being innovative. But unfortunately, she did have to have it, you know, medically removed because it was growing roots. So, ladies, please don't put potatoes in your vagina, okay? Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, you know, I've heard reports of them actually sprouting a tree coming out, like like a literal <gasps> branch and like leaves and stuff. Um, it's actually, you know, uh, throughout history, you know, uh, the Victorians, uh, you know, like 500,000 years ago, used to use um, linens uh, soaked in beeswax uh, alongside pomegranates soaked in wax or soaked in wine. So if you do want to use a fruit, I guess a pomegranate is something that is documented by the Greeks to have been used for hundreds of years. So oh maybe start there. Less sprouting, <laughs> maybe. Know? Yeah, less sprouting. Yeah. 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 Well, so. um, that's a great segue into Cosm because let's Thanks. not just use fruits and vegetables in our in our vaginas. Instead, let's use an incredible new technology like Cosm Medical. Tell us how is Cosm um, you know, fixing this pessary issue? Yeah, we're, you know, I, I you know, I think all things in medicine is an evolution. I would say science is also an evolution when uh, you know, especially even when people say, oh, the the data behind COVID is like is there science always evolves and and we are driving the evolution of pessaries uh by creating a what we're calling a digital gynecology platform uh to manufacture gynephotics or the world's first custom or patient specific pessary uh we've developed a measurement technology um that to scan and mold the female pelvic floor 
uh, combine that with AI-driven cloud software to predict designs for gynothotics. And then we 3D print uh, patient-specific devices uh, for women's unique bodies and needs. Uh, we're, we've just completed our first clinical study on eight women uh, and have demonstrated on all eight women that a personalized device uh, could improve uh, satisfaction, whether that's ease of insertion and removal, more comfort during physical activity, you know, a variety of issues um, to demonstrate that, you know, um, that, you know, we can improve life. Uh, we are, uh, we anticipate to be Health Canada and FDA approved by around middle of next year. So we're really excited about uh, driving our platform forward uh, to bring uh, essentially personalized medicine uh, within femtech and public floor source. I love this technology and it really came after my heart when I, I felt like I had a breakthrough in understanding what your technology was when you said it's like Invisalign for the vagina. And I was like, yeah. oh, oh, it's no longer these like metal braces that are so uncomfortable and bulky and like cause abrasions yeah. in your gums. Instead, it's like this digital scan of your mouth and then literally personalized thing that goes in them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's where we're driving towards. You know, there's actually for us, you know, noting that you know, femtech is traditionally underserved relative to dentistry. Uh, we do have two paths to market. Uh, we can do what we're calling gynothotics kits. Uh, we take a bunch of you know, clinical assessments, i.e. finger measurements. Uh, we predict two or three semi-custom designs uh, and also our fancier scanning method um, as we drive forward. So, you know, uh, that is where, you know, we aim to be uh, is to, you know, bring personalized medicine um, to pelvic floor disorders and improve. Uh, from our estimates, we're our goal is to improve the lives of one million women by 2030. And what's interesting about, you know, an AI data-driven platform is the fact that, you know, every woman at the beginning uh, will be essentially training the data set for future women as we go forward. So it's it's a really a chance for everybody to participate in improving the care and changing the current disease state, which is essentially, you know, clinical art or trial and error. So yeah, when I think about 3D printed, I think about like, it being kind of edgy or like, you know, not smooth or like hard. Can you kind yeah. of describe what is the material? Like is 3D printing good enough now that it's actually really smooth? It looks like it really was molded. Uh, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's an, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a technology that's evolving 3D printing uh -huh. and the technology for 3D printing soft materials such as silicone is still not there. There's a, we've non-disclosure signed with five different companies worldwide that are pursuing this technology. Um, and, you know, we took a, uh, lower risk, uh, method, uh, and are doing what's called cocoon molding. Um, Ooh. you know, one of my biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my biggest things about, you know, Femtech and the opportunity for us as a company is the fact that it's so underserved that we're literally pulling technologies from other fields in. Yeah. Right? Um, when cocoon molding actually comes from the custom hearing market, where you can get custom silicone earplugs uh, and silicone hearing aids. And we're essentially, what we're doing is we're 3D printing single-use cocoons and then injection molding and, um, you know, post-processing the devices uh, individually per device. So we print a cocoon specified uh, to each woman's physiology. Uh, we then, um, you know... Uh, 
injection mold into the cocoon and then we crack open the cocoon and uh develop the devices uh the difference obviously between custom ear and custom uh pelvic floor is there's a uh, a different level of silicone uh, that's required uh so we're, we're using you know top of the shelf um you know medical grade silicone yeah. for our products so, yeah. that is so cool and i actually think that's a really interesting point that i'm starting to see more and more now which is femtech companies saying all right you know, within our gynecological industry, we don't have the tools, but if we look over here at that industry, you know, um, for, you know, I don't know what, what is earring audio? Yeah, <laughs> what yeah. is the word for it? But audiology, it, yeah, audiology yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. or dentistry or, you know, um, even gut health. We're learning about like, you know, the, oh, yeah. the mucus in the gut and it's like, oh wait, we have mucus in our vagina. What can we learn or do with these cross, um, you know, dimensional industries. And yeah. I also have been hearing more and more companies in femtech, um, as part of their fundraise strategy to relate their company to potentially something else that's similar, but in a, in a parallel medical field. So my friend is, uh, Emily's, uh, in charge of this company called EXO and they're doing postpartum kind of monitoring. And someone said, Hey, that's kind of similar to like, after this brain injury device that helps people when they're at home, like self-monitor how their brain is doing. And she's like, Oh yeah. It's like, that's her analogy. Right. And for you, it's like, at least in my mind, I'll never forget this Invisalign thing because it really yeah. like shone the light on it. Um, and so I invite all femtech founders, start to look at other industries, one for tools and solutions, but also to get your story across the table. Um, when people question like... Julie Hakeem again, she's, she's getting two shout outs in this episode. She's the Uh, inventor of a vaginal stint and there is no such thing as vaginal stint. And so all these people were like, what, well, what's, you know, the real implication, but there's actually an anal stint for, um, prostate cancer to protect the rectum from radiation. And that, that device sold for $800 million. So there's her sister, you know, company to or brother company, if you will, um, <laughs> uh, to compare it to. So that's really interesting. Why- yeah. Happy to, happy to link with Ju- Julie. Yeah. By the way, we have, uh, we actually have a couple of patents around. Cool. Uh, yeah. I'm stents, gonna... So I'm very curious what, yes. what her approach to that side is. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how do physicians feel about Cosm care? Right. Like, do they, yeah. are they like, Oh, thank God. Like I didn't, we were just kind of throwing our hands up, like throwing at pessaries around, you know, or are they intimidated by it or tell us about the doctor's opinion of it? Yeah, I think I think we have uh, we have a variety of um, of feedback. I think there are physical therapists, general gynecologists, and a lot of clinicians that work with the pelvic floor that are like, this is the solution that I can actually start providing pessaries. Because pessaries, you know, you have to hold a lot of inventory because you're doing trial and error. You have to get lots of training and different things. So they have, they've shied away from offering this conservative therapy because of, you know, essentially the business and economics of it. And, and for me, um, you know, so, so, so there's some, so, so there's some great clinicians that want to jump in and help. There's also the other side, obviously, you know, surgeons want to do surgery. Uh, so, so there are, there's definitely, you know, skepticism as we drive forward as to what, what we can achieve with, uh, gynothotics. Um, you know, and for, for me, why would a physician want to use a technology? Uh, because 
it's going to pr- number one provide patients a uh, better device in the long term, um, and number two is one of the things you know as a engineer slash businessman that 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 is my kind of core focus is that well what I found interesting is that you know custom all the custom medical device technologies that are established billion dollar markets like Invisalign like custom hearing like mm-hmm. custom orthotics. They all work off of a 50-50 revenue share model. Mm. So when you get a Invisalign from a dentist, the dentist actually keeps half of the price of the device. That's why they sell it. Uh, And we're essentially offering that opportunity for doctors, clinicians also. So we've already, you know, basically confirmed health spending account coverage, uh, under private insurance, uh, for our devices. And we're going to offer doctors the ability to, you know, make more money by, uh, applying a modern technology that serves the patient better. So that is really our drive is that a, we're going to be more efficient for them. We're going to also serve their, serve their patients better with, with a better device. Uh, and also they're going to make more money. So I think it's, uh, you know, hopefully a win-win and, you know, we're obviously, you know, working through the health economics of it all. You know, we've, as part of our path to this stage of successfully closing our seed round funding, um, two quarters ago, uh, you know, we developed a U.S. health economics model demonstrating about $1,300 uh, cost savings per patient by comparing a pessary to a gynothotic. And that's essentially through lowering complications, improving wow. successful fit, and delaying the need for surgery. So that's really, you know, uh, kind of our drive as we push. So, yeah. That is absolutely incredible. And once again, founders, take note, um, thinking about if you're going to have physicians administrating your solution, like what's in it for them. And so that's really awesome that you were able to, once again, look at these other industries, find what's worked because we're already pushing up a boulder up a mountain. We don't need exactly. to be reinventing all this stuff. Like we yeah. needed to see what's working and then implement it here in women's health. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Hallelujah. Derek, this has been really awesome. I have just a few more questions. Do you think your technology could be used for other types of women's health solutions besides just pessaries? That's a great question. Uh, I I think we are at the precipice of driving trial and error and clinical art uh, to AI-driven personalization, personalized Mm -hmm. care in public floor. Now, pessaries... Uh, and um, because what we're doing is we're basically measuring the vagina in a way that's never been measured before. Uh, we're also capturing from from patients what is their concern, what is their lifestyle goals, and we're leveraging AI to personalize care first for pessaries, first for pessaries. Now, beyond that, there is expansive indications for gynecologists besides incontinence prolapse. There is, uh, you know, cerclage pessaries per preterm birth. That you know mm. could have better outcomes if they were personalized. Uh, we could look at uh, you know developing personalized sexual wellness devices as we drive forward. Um, and you know, for our AI and diagnostic system, uh, we could very you know as we expand our data set, we could potentially go into you know improving surgical selection, if not personalization, uh, or eventually pre- prevention. Um, getting a better measurement and uh, looking at the, you know, giving women more informed consent around natural birth versus cesarean. So there's a quite a lot of stuff uh, that could be tackled by, you know, essentially a 
pursuing a modernized approach to therapy through imaging data and AI. And I think, you know, that is where the world is going. And, you know, we're grateful to be, you know, partnering as we kind of drive forward. You know, um, I have a, you know, leadership team of females. Uh, we have four PhDs on our team, um, three doctors that are contractors that, that work for us alongside 10 different advisors from world leaders. So really excited to be, you know, building a community of patients, clinicians, payers, engineers, scientists to really, um, you, you know, make an impact as we drive to improving the lives of 1 million women by 2030. I love it. You know, it reminds me a lot of what we do at Femtech Focus with measuring the market and having these databases because it was like, we didn't even know the questions to ask until we could have some data to even make questions up, right? Like the more data we collected, we were like, I think there's a trend here. Let's look in. Right. And so I see that for Cosm is that you're going to have all this data and you're going to be like, oh my goodness, turns out the length of your vagina is associated with this. And nobody knew that because yeah. we didn't have the data. Right. So I'm really excited to see um, the research you do. Cause I know you are, you know, legitimate scientists over there and you're going to publish it. So I'm excited to read those. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. We just presented uh, three abstracts uh, this uh three months ago at the American, International, and Canadian Eurogan Society meetings, and we won top five abstract at the Canadian one uh, last quarter. So we're really excited about getting those publications in. And yeah, yes. well, my, my team is, I am, I'm just the, I'm just the, 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 the guy that sets the the goalposts uh, yes. that, that we enforce. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Derek, um, we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast. So what is yeah. an area in women's health and wellness that you think still needs innovating? Um, as a, as an entrepreneur, but like, I, I don't know, I feel kind of silly answering this because I am not a woman. Uh, but I think, you know, for me, one of the things are a lot of things around elderly care uh, is the, is I think where uh, where innovation needs to happen. It's where chronic disease is where the cost of care is astronomical. So you're likely to getting paid as a medical device. You know, mix is there. Um, there is a fair amount of uh, underserved women uh, yeah, as elderly. You know, so yeah, totally agree. I'll um, just fifty plus, y'all innovate for those women because yeah. even the like sexual desire pills and stuff that are FDA approved are all approved premenopausal. It's like <laughs> we really are not serving women over fifty. So let's yeah. do that. And then our last question is: What do you think the femtech industry needs as a whole in order to um, be more successful? That's a good question. I, I, so, so I'll tell you what changed urology. Um, so, so the men's health side, you know, I, yeah. I, I went into the field in the 2005 before Viagra took over, before guys were open to talking about erectile dysfunction, prostate issues. And we are now in a realm where you know, I have friends asking me, you know, if they want to recreationally try Viagra, what is the optimal dose? You know, like, like this is the, this is the world we live in now. Yeah. And I would say about a, over a billion dollars was spent by Pfizer and the different groups to normalize, um, mm. prostate issues. Men. It even started with, you know, Tom Hanks in the green mile because he couldn't pee properly and led up to all these ads. Now I would say being willing to talk about it 
having an open conversation around public floor disorders and um, being uh, more receptive to change, I think is the, could be the answer, but you know, that's, that's me as a dude talking. So I'm not, I'm not definitely not gonna, um, you know, yeah. So I would say collaboration and an open conversation is what, yeah. uh, what's going to drive change. So, yeah. yeah. And a billion dollar marketing campaign around vulvas. That's what I hear too. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, you see, you see the world changing though, you know, like, yep. I, you know, like I have like a bunch of my friends, you know, cause they're, you know, I, a lot of them have had kids. They'll, they'll come up to me and ask me like, who do you think's the best pelvic floor physio to go to? Yeah. Uh, I have a friend with this, like, can we yeah. talk about blah or, you know, like uh, openly discussing sex toys, which is amazing. Like, you know, like uh, it's a, it's a, it's it's a it's a fun state of change to be in. So, it yeah. really is. It really yeah. is. Derek, thank you so much for your time today. You are incredible. I cannot wait to see Cosm Medical in every doctor's office. You're changing the world. You're helping women, and I appreciate you. No, I appreciate you too, Brett. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my interview with Derek Sham, the founder and CEO of Cosm Medical. You can learn more about their revolutionary pessaries at Cosm.care. That's C-O-S-M dot care. Okay, Fem fans, don't forget to fill out the Stack the Deck for Femtech questionnaire, which you can find in our newsletter, virtual community, and social media channels. You can subscribe to the newsletter on our website, femtechfocus.org. That's where you can also join the virtual community where over 2,000 Femtech founders are sharing resources and opportunities. There's an events calendar, jobs board, even a DIY Femtech accelerator. Give me a shout out on social media at Femtech Focus and consider becoming a monthly donor. We're a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to supporting Femtech founders succeed. Until next time, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.